Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got Garbeen. Gar is an evidence-based strength coach and nutritionist. He is also the owner of City Gym, a strength con- training facility and powerlifting club based in Limerick, Ireland. Gar is also a coach for Sigma Nutrition. So welcome on the show, Gar. What's up, James? Thanks for having me, buddy. It's a pleasure. Uh, before we delve into this week's episode, Gar, can we go back to the beginning as to why you wanted to become a strength coach as well as a nutritionist? Yeah, sure, man. Uh, always happy to tell a story. So basically what ended up happening was uh, what started everything. Years and years and years ago, I made a very silly choice to go into electronic engineering in college. Now, for anyone that goes into it and that loves it, that's great. But for, for me, it just wasn't for me. So I went through a, a couple of years there. In my second year that I was there, I had a spontaneous pneumothorax, which is a collapsed lung. Uh, so that was on my right side, and with the collapse, I spent about, I think it was a four or five months in hospital that time, just getting it back up and running. So what ended up happening was I ended up missing a ton of college, and I had to repeat that year again. So went back to college again to repeat the year, and right towards the end, exactly where it happened the year previous, it was actually 366 days later, I had a collapsed lung on the right side again. So if you have two collapsed lungs on the same side, anyone that's ever had a spontaneous pneumothorax, a a double strike, they'll know that you have to go for a much more severe surgery. So I was transported to the the top thoracic unit in Ireland and uh, they did a surgery, very excruciatingly uh, painful surgery. And uh, I think I ended up spending about nine months in hospital that time. So out of like this two, three year period, there was a huge chunk of it just taken up in hospital and uh, I ended up losing a lot of weight. So I wasn't a big guy at the time. I was 75. I think I ended up going down towards about 60 kilos. Um, then two years later, uh, while well, still in engineering, so I was into my third year this time now, uh, I ended up having a collapsed lung on the left side. <laughs> so I just had a really, really awful run with this. Um, and just to kind of like a side note about the collapsed lungs, a spontaneous pneumothorax, the pneumothorax is the collapsed lung part and a spontaneous uh, part is obviously spontaneous. They don't know why it happens. So what they do know, and the, the doctor showed me this the first time that I ever had one, is he opened the medical textbook and under spontaneous pneumothorax, all it reads is usually or typically happens to tall, thin, young males between the ages of 18 and 21 with light colored hair and light colored eyes. And that described me perfectly, right? So I always had that in my mind for each time that I had a collapsed lung, I always had that in the back of my head, that this is why it's happening. They don't know what the, the causative factor is of it, but they know that it correlates to someone who looks exactly like me. So I ended up having it for the third time anyway, and I remember I had to go for yet another surgery. And uh, this is like my badass moment to shine. So basically, uh, I go for this severe surgery and you, you sign like a waiver form, you know, mm. so like if anything happens on the operating table that like, you know, it, you release the hospital from anything. So I said, you know what, fuck this. I, I, I got this in the morning. I was like, I'm going to sign this 
I handed it back and I jumped straight online. So I had the laptop with me. I jumped straight online and I dropped out of college then and there. Because if I was going out, which I had this weird feeling that I was going to, I don't know why, but I thought I was going to die that day. I never had it with the previous two, but I was like, if I'm going out, I'm going on my terms and I'm not doing, I, I'm not going to be known as the guy that Joe you know, did electronic engineering when he didn't want to. And I said, if I wake up, uh, it, this premonition ahead of me dying, if I wake up on the opposite side, I'm going to go into coaching. That's, that's what I want to do. I want to be uh, fitter. I want to be bigger, healthier, happier. And I want to do something I enjoy and then spread that with everyone else. It sounds really, really cheesy, but that's basically what I've ended up doing over the last few years. So basically, I woke up the opposite side just like really, really determined. I don't know why it was because like, I'll be honest, I was really lazy before these collapsed lungs. Like I had, I had no... I had no fire, I had no spark, I didn't want to kind of do anything. I was just in a really unhappy place, like doing what I didn't want to do in college. But the second I woke up, it was almost like I just had this this like light bulb moment where I was like, okay, get through your recovery as quick as possible, start working every day towards building something bigger and bigger. And then that's when I got out of hospital, I just like scavenged everywhere to see like what information could I pick up. Uh, what credible resources can I find to start telling me about strength training? At the time, I didn't find any. I, I did absolutely everything wrong for years while I was training to become a coach and a nutritionist. But uh, that's basically the background into why I started everything. Well, what, what were some of these bad, bad um, how would I put it, um, tendencies that you picked up along the way then? Oh, man, like... Like, uh, I, I like, uh, are you familiar with Greg Knuckles by any chance? Yeah. Strength coach. For, yeah, Greg is the man. So uh, I like a saying, first of all, uh, I'm going to bring this in before I go back. Like, Greg's, uh, the best saying I ever heard him say was, you're not an expert until you've done everything wrong. So <laughs> I'm not an expert by any means, but God damn it, I must be close by how much I did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just did absolutely, like, when I started, I was thinking, okay, I came out of hospital the third time at 47 kilos. So I was like like under seven stone, like it, just nothing of me there. So I was like, okay, if collapsed lungs happen to people who are tall and thin, I got to get jacked. Like I got to get huge. And like in my mind, I thought that that was perfectly achievable within like six or seven months. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. <laughs> now, it's like been, what, seven years and I'm 90 kilos. So, like, in the seven years, I've nearly doubled my weight. I'm, like, really happy with that. But, like, I had this idea from, like, reading different resources online. And I won't name anything because I don't want to knock anything. But, like, I thought that I could get absolutely, like, huge within, like, six or seven months by doing, like, three by ten on everything. Or, it, it, you know, like, this the stereotypical stuff that you'd read into. Oh, yeah, just do three by ten and add 10 kilos a week to each lift, and you'll be grand within, like, six months. You'll be huge. It doesn't work like that. Like, especially uh, as you come out of hospital, uh, my right shoulder was basically, like, stuck in place. So just uh, I know for those who watch it on video now, they'll be able to see what I'm doing with my shoulder, but if anyone can imagine, what they have to do for the tubes that go into the lung is they have to internally rotate the right shoulder, and you have to keep it in this position for months because the tube will actually go in under the tricep. So it'll go in through the rib cage and into the lung. So you're basically stuck with your shoulder frozen uh, for months upon months at a time. So basically when I came out, I couldn't even bring my shoulder back to its original position. So I think like after I ended up with tons of injuries because I did everything wrong, 
uh, then I started learning about like, okay, well, why am I getting hurt? Because I have no idea what technique is, you know? So then I started studying like uh, different resources with technique and like, how should you lift something? What, what's a bar path? How, how should the bar move as you lift it? And then the more I learned about technique, the stronger I got. So then I started learning about strength training. Uh, you know, it just all kind of one into the other, just kept knocking into their like a domino effect and uh, just literally just soaked up everything I could. But you bring up a good point there, guy, with, with technique. But then shouldn't you, uh, there is a certain aspect that you should follow that path when you're doing lifts. Uh, well, we say squatting and deadlift would probably be a big one. Mm-hmm. But shouldn't most people also take into account their anatomy so they're going to get into a different position and not always look at it, um, I need to follow this like a textbook oh yeah for sure no so, so basically what you're saying is like you shouldn't be over pedantic about looking exactly like a textbook yeah 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 so like then even if you just take into account some really really simple factors with people like you, you kind of look at textbook stuff and you're kind of like okay that is how something should move but then each individual has like their own limb lengths different ratios of limb to limb so basically like it should look like this, but not for everyone. So people should say, okay, well, I know, for example, that a bar pad in a squat, that the bar should start uh, in position X and then move directly over the center of the foot and back up with slight deviation forward or backwards, for example. But how they actually look squatting, will, like every single person is going to look different. Do you know what I mean? So that, like, as you're saying, like you shouldn't be like, oh, well, I'm a low bar squatter, and I know that John over here can squat really upright with a low bar, but I have to hinge over. That's still perfectly fine as long as your bar pad moves efficiently and that you can still shift weight pain-free. Is that kind of what you were getting at there? Yeah, yeah, God, that, was, that was what I was, I was kind of trying to bring across. But then also when you're saying with, like, example A versus the upright person versus someone that slouch over, in some cases that's... That could be as a result of tight hip flexors sometimes, or can't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, like, uh, there could be a number of weaknesses or there could be a lot of stiffness in the body in different areas that doesn't allow people to, to still move through that uh, pattern the way they should. But I think that most strength coaches who are in the game quite a while will be able to spot um, those who are struggling to find positions. So it still could look okay but you know that there's probably a better position available. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you could still say, okay, someone's moving it efficiently and they're moving weight, but if we do this or this, like for example, if someone moves the bar um, in the pattern we want to see, but their hips shoot out first, we could say, oh, okay, there could be a number of things causing that, and we can kind of rectify those to get you into a better position. And if people can see themselves doing something like if they were didn't have a strength coach but they filmed their technique and they yes. were doing that, what were kind of some of the tips that you would recommend for them to kind of what was the word I want um, like as a checklist to tick off to kind of solve those that that particular issue? So, for example, if someone's hips are shooting out the back of a squat, is it? Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of the time what you find is that uh, you often see with low bar squatters. So they've got the bar lower on that shelf. As they hit the bottom, they shoot out the back 
and you see this massive hip drive forward, right? So if you can kind of just picture that in your head, they drop down, hips shoot back, and then the hips drive forward. And what you see a lot of time is that people, they might not be utilizing their quads efficiently, or maybe they're very uh, posterior chain dominant, like they have these big set of glutes on them, uh, and they're kind of like compensating just a little bit to shoot back and use those a little bit more and use the hips a little bit more, uh, and also kind of load the back a bit more if they're a bit stronger there. But like what some stuff that you could do that's really beneficial is like some uh, two to three second pause squats uh, with some weight like 70 to 80% uh, for a couple of uh, doubles, triples, some stuff like that, a couple of sets there. Pause and force yourself from that bottom position to shoot forward right from the bottom. Uh, if you've been low bar squatting for quite a while and you find that you keep shooting at the back, even a shift or supplementing somewhere in the program with some high bar squats, uh, which you're going to use, uh, utilize those quads just that little bit more, that could be very beneficial as well. Because you don't tend to see people shoot out the back with the high bar as much. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised by people being over-dominant in the glutes, because in most cases, it's, all, it's, well, especially more so as we've become more sedentary, you would have thought it'd be the opposite way around. It would be more, the quads would be the over-dominant muscle group. Yeah, and like, uh, I really like this, and kind of every coach kind of nods their head when they, they hear this, and I, I didn't come up with this, someone way smarter came up with this than me, <laughs> but basically, when everyone starts, they're really, really quad dominant. After a while, they're like, okay, so I got to work my hamstrings, my glutes, my back, I got to like get a bit uh, of a stronger posterior chain, but it almost ends up taking over after a while, and then they kind of lose the quad power that they initially had, so it kind of goes like really quad dominant, uh, and then really posterior dominant. And then you kind of like have to find that balance then uh, if they're like restrike a balance between them because it just goes from one extreme to another. I mean, the first time I heard that, I was like, that's literally every single person that I've ever seen train in a gym. They end up like with this huge quad dominance to begin with. They rectify the issue and then just end up the exact opposite. So then it's about striking that balance again and finding kind of like, okay, well, where's the middle ground? I don't. I don't know if you'd ever reach that, in it? Because you can't, without going into a, a university lab, you can't test it. Can't test it exactly. So then I suppose it's about just kind of troubleshooting, uh, like on a, a monthly basis. Like, well, like if I analyze my form on every squat through the month, like all my top sets, uh, does it get progressively better or worse? Or as you said, most people now video their top sets. So they're working sets, and that, that's a great thing. And like, you can make real-time adjustments by watching something. Okay, well, I didn't like how much my hips shot back in that one. Okay, I was leaning a bit too forward for the next one. And like, you can make real-time adjustments as you go if you video and analyze stuff uh, as like a play-by-play. -play. Oh, I think then, it's 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 taken on board. Wow, in the gym environment, people are generalized here, probably more so than the the males are not good at taking constructive criticism. So that's probably one way around it. It's you you looking at yourself, so it's you've got that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. There's no way around there's no two ways around it. You can't say Well, I don't feel like I'm not do I'm doing doing that. It's the proof is in the pudding. It's it's you can't change the video evidence. Yeah, exactly. When you look at that there's no hiding. You know, if you see it yourself and like you have to be able to call yourself on your own shit as well. Like, you know, like if you see that, you have to say, 
okay, I messed up. I'm going to rectify that the next time. But that's also a good point that you bring up is that like you should probably have some like educated training partners with you that you can trust. You know what I mean? So like you just for a second and third opinion and stuff as well, like that's always helpful. Someone that you can trust, they can look at the stuff for you and go, well, like you can look at your own video, uh, but like I'd suggest this and this and like even from having our own gym here, like City Gym, uh, we in the last couple of months, what we've done is the powerlifting team now all train at the exact same time. So basically uh, we found a common ground of it because like we're open for a certain amount of the day for open sessions. So we had the whole team coming in spread out over like five, six hours. But now we've narrowed it down to a two and a half, three hour window and everyone comes in within that. But the rate at which people are progressing now is just phenomenal. So like the more people are in together, uh, also I'd say there's some really good healthy competition there. Like if you see someone else in your weight category pushing bigger weights, you're going to be like, okay, well, I got to up my game. And then also you got like educated people who are pushing you on. So it, that's, it's a win-win for everyone. But then, Gal, when you, you say people that are knowledgeable within their field, mm-hmm. what would you constitute that? Because anybody anybody could say, um, this has worked for me in the past, why don't you do this? And in most cases, that's probably not the right way about, not the right way of going about things. Yeah, no, that's a great question, man. It's actually a small piece that uh, I'm writing for Sigma at the moment as well as like, uh, like what constitutes as a good coach or an educated coach. And like, it's it's really hard to kind of put into words because like uh, the, the way I'm opening the article is uh, people will say, uh, this isn't to discredit everyone now with some like Insta fame or something like that or some YouTube fame, but like a lot of the times uh, people will just associate a big following with, okay, that's right. You know, if someone has like 20,000 followers, they must be right. You know what I mean? And like, I can see where people are coming from. I can see like how you could be misled to believe that. And I was there. Like, as I talked about some of the mistakes I've made when I started training, I was following people um, and everything was wrong, you know? But like, it worked for them, but that doesn't mean it should work for me. So it was right for them, but not for me. So then kind of like what constitutes as a good coach will probably be someone who's got the education behind them. They've got the application. So like they like anything that they've learned about, they can both apply to themselves and also to other people. Do you know what I mean? So if they can both apply it to themselves and others and they've got good results with numerous amounts of people and they have the education and research to back stuff. To me, I think that's a, a well-rounded person and someone that you could trust and I suppose the opposite way to look at it is that if something does go wrong that they can kind of admit fault and kind of go okay well that was wrong but it was probably because of these factors but we could try this instead do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. well I'm 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 probably a proponent of trying it first in in most cases I won't I won't more so on the nutrition side of things it's if we use ketosis as the example, I t- I tried that out before I gave it to any client. How how will I respond on it before I give it to, before I say, well, you should you should eat like this for like the initial stages with weight loss, and then we'll get you 
to look more so like we discussed off air we're looking at macronutrients so I tried it uh, with my mentor coach um, what the initial stages is normally about two to three weeks that you're on it mm-hmm. uh, he said try and get to three weeks the best that you can if you fall off before that obviously say that you're starting to crave carbs so I can kind of I can see the markers with my clients now when they're struggling. You can kind of see it in, or I think some, some more than others will, will kind of deviate and say, and they kind of feel bad that they've kind of gone off. It's like, well, no, that's the time. That's that's when you when you when you want to eat, eat it and you've have done it. That, that's your body telling you I've had enough of this. I don't like yeah. it. I'm done. I'm done with this. <laughs> but like exactly as you said, so like what we brought up just before was like education and then application, uh, both for yourself and for someone else. So that's exactly what you just said. So like you got educated on a topic, then applied it both to yourself and to others. Right. So I think that's a really nice way to look at it because it, you can empathize with someone when they go through someone. It's uh, sorry, through something then. You know, because you've been there yourself. So you can literally put yourself into that other person and go, hey, I see what you're going through and don't worry, I've been there. I think I think it's the, the right way to, to do it. You, you're not... You hear these... I won't say they're horror stories, but they're not great um, applications to the industry as to, oh, my coach gave me this program, but they didn't take into account my limitations where you're thinking that's the coach being a little bit I won't knock him as a person but being quite narrow-minded okay this is what that's how you train but that that might not work for like you were saying earlier with the with the knowledge it probably won't work for well we'll generalize and say maybe 50 percent of the popular of your population that you may work with mm-hmm. exactly but I think, uh, which is probably a more concerning one, is uh, probably a lot of the industry does work like that. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's kind of the way the, the industry is going at the moment. Is like, okay, well, I got results and two other people got results from this. So I'm going to like blanket it across the next 100 people that come my way. And without kind of looking at... The, the, the real roots of why something worked and taking the principles, they're looking at the methods of something instead. Do you know what I mean? So this method worked, but you're not taking the principles from it. So like, like as we talked about, like um, with like low carb diets and stuff, like you, you brought up a, a low carb, a popular low carb diet uh, off air. And you were saying like the people find it particularly good for weight loss. But again, if it's low carb and people eat like the majority of their day is like 50 to 70 percent of carbohydrates and you remove low carb, you're basically just taking out half of their uh, daily caloric intake. So like, of course, they're going to start losing weight. But then at what point uh, does that start reversing? Because you've you've missed the overall principle of something being uh, the reduction in calories and we've blamed carbohydrates instead. So then at some stage, you're going to go. Jesus, I'd love some carbohydrates. So they start eating carbohydrates and they, oh, this is bad. And then they start ballooning back up. 
Whereas if you say, okay, well, if you do take in, for example, 3,000 calories a day, uh, we can leave carbohydrates in there. Uh, we could bring you down to 2,500 a day and see how that works. And then people go, oh, okay. So I can still have, a, like as you brought up about flexible diet and different things like that, like, I can still have like uh, my carbohydrates. I can still have adequate amount of fat and protein, but just slightly less calories. And like you're, like you're a magician, you make them lose weight. And they're like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. You're like, I did. <laughs> but I think it's for for the the individual that's going on that, that well, we use quote unquote diet or, or weight loss regime. Mm-hmm. It's probably giving that them that knowledge as to if we do this, 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 uh, we educate you as so you can kind of track it yourself and you can exactly. kind of you you learn what this is what the, the coach is actually doing, and I can kind of implement a habitual change as opposed go. to the most like the fad diets you you're kind of yo like you were saying you're yo-yoing between it being in a deficit and then ballooning back up and you're kind of blaming exactly. that particular diet at that particular point as to oh that didn't work but it's actually mm-hmm. going from being in such a deficit for all for in most cases We'll use the extreme ones of lose X amount of weight in a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. you've gone down to such uh, minute levels of nutrition. Uh, in some, in probably most cases, because you're taking out a food group is probably not the way to go long term because of all the other health risks, and that's probably mm-hmm. like a different topic altogether. Uh, but once you go back on. Uh, and in some cases, probably the one we probably didn't touch upon was because your um, what was I was going to say? I lost what my train of thought then. Um, oh, come back to it. Hopefully, it comes back to me. But um, what was I going to say? Uh, I have to come back to it. I can't, I can't think of it. But it was where was I going? Or oh, come, think- we'll, come, we'll come back to it. I think you're going kind of towards education for the client and like I, I really if that's the area you were going to like that's a really popular area because like uh, it's funny when someone goes on a Skype call to see if they want to join Sigma uh, the Sigma Nutrition program uh, I, I think I give a wicked sales pitch and the reason I the reason I do that is because like like anyone can use this and see how effective it is is like I tell someone like I'm going to take you in and I'm going to educate you on nutrition. Like, you will get the result in the process, but I want to get you out of the program as quick as possible. And people are kind of, like, shocked by that. They're like, I don't understand why you'd want to get me out as quick as possible. But if you tell someone, you go, I'm going to be blatantly honest with you here. If you come to me, you, first of all, get the result that you wanted, and second of all, learn how to sustain and change your nutrition to suit whatever scenarios you might end up in for the rest of your life, you're going to go and tell five of your closest friends, mm. what a great job I did. And then the person starts laughing. They're like, yeah, it's so true. And the funny thing is, it's so true. As in like when you, like when you release someone from the program, you say to them, like, there's literally nothing more I can do for you. You're making your own changes on a weekly basis because you know what to do. 
uh, we're going to call it a day. It's like, I, I feel like I'm robbing you at this stage. And they go, but what you said to me day one is that I'm going to go tell uh, the five, uh, five of my closest friends about you, and I am. So then you just see like five new application forms come in because people are like, okay, that's something I can believe in. It's not just a, an eight-week shred program or a 12-week to summer bod program. It's, okay, come here for X amount of time until you learn something. Once you're educated on it, go. And if you ever need to come back, we're always here. I think, I think I think that's what that was probably where I was getting to. You probably summarize, so, yeah. <laughs> summarize it probably more 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 swiftly. But I think where I'm not going to knock the industry. I think where they probably shy away from that is because people are trying to make a living. But I think it's probably more that mindset that that particular coach possibly has and they don't see it as like you were saying that if you've given the knowledge to somebody else be it that client that's on on the call uh be it on on the consultation whatever mm-hmm. uh, even if they didn't take up the service they're going to take what knowledge you've given them Share it to what well, doesn't have to be five people. It could be less. It could be more than that. But it's kind of like that domino effect. It's kind of remembering why did you come into the industry in the first place? Exactly. And like that's a really good point that you brought up. Uh, it's the taboo thing to talk about in fitness, which is money, right? Like if you ever notice in fitness, it's like real taboo. No one brings up money ever. And it's just like for some reason people feel that like. If you're a fitness professional, you should A, be a millionaire, or B, be poor and be proud of it. But, like, it's a job, you know? Like, you have to make money for your service. But the, the, the big thing here is that people look at the next client and the next, the, 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 the next however much, like, you block book someone for, or however much you someone pays for a week or per month. All they do is they think about the next person, right? And if you consistently just think of the next person, you actually miss giving the quality service. You miss the reason you first got into this, which is to give people results. So the way I like to rephrase it for people is, think about giving the best quality service to that person. At the end of it, they're going to go, fucking gar, man, was the best decision I ever made, changed my entire life. Now, if someone says that, that's powerful, right? They won't even care that they parted with whatever money to get that education and get that result. And then they're going to go and tell everyone else about it. So rather than thinking uh, just about the next person that comes in, think about an empire. So think about like 10 years from now, where are you going to be? You know, are you going to have uh, a gym? Is that, is that your overall goal? Are you a coach that wants to open a gym? Uh, are you a gym owner that wants to have 10 gyms? Are you 10 gym owner that wants to own 30 gyms? You know, so think about the empire. Don't think about the next person. And when you kind of change that mindset towards like uh, just having the next person and the, the next 10 euros, the next 50 euros, the next 100 euros to, okay, well, I need 100,000 euros to open up all these gyms. You think about, okay, all I can do is provide quality and then that quality will get me the quantity. But I think I think it's probably that mindset where the, where the, uh, where the trainer thinks as the client as well, a number and then the need to get subsequently other ones is probably 
to that age because the industry is so cutthroat and mm-hmm. what's the statistic? Was it more than was it eight more than eighty percent of the people that first do the start in the industry fail within two I think it's within two years. Years. That sounds about right. I know countless amounts of people that have unfortunately started into this because it was something they were passionate about. And they they culminated a great knowledge on training nutrition, but they neglected the aspects that people should be learning about, which is not only should you have a, a great amount of knowledge in business, uh, sorry, in training and nutrition, but you should have it in business and marketing and you should be social media savvy and you should uh, know how to make websites. And if you're bad at that, you should be outsourcing that right from the get-go. Like if you're bad at that stuff, that's the type of stuff that you need employees for. You need to hire someone who can do web design and social media marketing. And it's just like if you can't be all in one, you've got to hire in the people where you lack and then that leave you do just the training and nutrition. Well, I think with the with website design, I think it's getting easier with the, the likes oh, of... Or what? Squarespace and WordPress and... There's also, also was, there was another one that pops up all the time. Uh, Wix. Wix would be another one. Yeah. Um, oh, God, what's the one with the Manchester City advert? There's that, there's that one. Um, don't know if it's a free one, but there's that one on, on, on adverts from time to time. But there's countless ones. And it's probably being able to accept it's not going to be perfect off the bat to a certain extent. Okay, it might have a... A little bit of a detrimental effect on people's perception of your business, but you're trying to grow it. So if you kind of, from the money you're earning and you reinvest, you can try to make something better as opposed to going off the bat and making it, or we'll say up in lights like Las Vegas, and it's you haven't got that recognition of that brand being well known. It's like well. It's no point chucking, we'll say hundreds, if not thousands of pounds at something and people don't know about it. It's maybe start smaller and build. Exactly. Well, like you were saying with social media, it's probably building that community around the brand and it kind of, to a certain extent, it's probably using that word of mouth and that community yeah. will then promote it for you so to speak because I, I, I see that with um, more so uh, my fit amputee community they'll promote it to other amputee groups or, or they'll or that they're in uh, and kind of bring it back to me oh James have you seen this that there's a few people in this Facebook group that are interested in weight loss well I wasn't I wasn't in that particular one but can you share this group out to them and and kind of okay i kind of jiggled around uh how that group is designed cuz it used to link into my web, into the website i've subsequently taken it off so if you want to uh, go to it i'll periodically put stuff that is relevant to the group um, be it on like strength and di- strength and conditioning uh, series I did. What is it now? Probably about eight months ago. That 
the newer ones may not have seen or not been able to uh, find it on the internet and I'll put that up and obviously if you want to read about that you'll go then go to my website and and subsequently find more about me uh, well if you you can then ask because you're in that group you can ask me so to speak face-to-face -face questions you don't have to kind of bat, uh, beat around the bush and go through the website contact me by email you can you're going to get a probably a, a direct link with probably a facebook one you're going to get a quicker answer than email because it might yeah. be cases with email oh, i've seen it but i've got to kind of juggle other things um generally in most cases you're probably the same what would your turnaround for emails would probably be about 24 hours to 48 to 48 so you're but, uh, not going to be as quick. Uh, I think somebody in my consultation yesterday asked me um, how many notifications do you actually get on Facebook. They were saying, "Was it? Would it be hundreds?" I thought, well, it's not that much. Not, not, not yet. I don't know. I think on average, maybe I'm gonna say at most maybe ten a day. That's related to work, so it's it's not the end of the world. It might be a question I can't answer, so it'll be. I'll, I'll put it. I'll be upfront, tell the truth. Uh, I I don't know how to answer that particular question at this time. I'll go look, but if somebody in that what else? Well, somebody else within the group can answer it. It's probably better to to kind of let that community look after itself as such and, and it's more a community I'm not having to post about things all the time it's kind of you can kind of see that engage kind of that like you were saying early on with bringing the guys into training at the same time it's that community one everybody wants to see everybody do well so it's I don't always have to be the go-to person to get a question answered which I think is probably a good thing because everybody can kind of say well if I want to get additional uh, support or knowledge on a specific topic I could maybe tag James in it as well into the into the question well what's your take on this is what somebody else if I if I hadn't obviously seen like the, the thread feed of, of, of answers and you could possibly have well what's your take on that or well, I was saying to the one I, I was speaking to yesterday. Well, there's actually other. There's actually two other trainers that are actually in that group as well. So you don't actually yes. actually you could you don't have to ask me as well. There's my mentors in there just to more for accountability to, to keep me on track. To well, you should maybe try and do this to get more engagement. But are you saying well that one is. Uh, traction you get more traction with that one okay there's another group that is for like more generalized for both everybody and disabled which is related to this podcast that one is not having as much traction but I think it's because and this is me having a, a little bit of a guess is because it doesn't have an actual identity it's kind of mishmashy as such it's 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 mm -hmm. it'll it will cover fitness nutrition mindset but is it because some people are interested in one avenue of it that you're not having the engagement? I'm still trying to figure that out. It's not quite in a niche. 
Is that, is that what you're saying? It's kind of like say that. It, it's an, yeah, uh, and that's a uh, that's some really cool things you touched on there, man. Because like the 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 things that we'd be really passionate about here in City Gym is like strength training and specifically powerlifting. And we're finishing off our third year here, going into our fourth in August. And for the first year, we were kind of a gym that did everything. You know, like literally everything. Um, But as we built up slowly but surely, we were kind of able to work our way into that niche of powerlifting a little bit more, a little bit more, until the point where we were known for that. And now we attract the exact community that we want without even like, I won't say without even trying, but like without having to say, hey, this is what we do. People go, oh, that's that place that you go to if you're interested in strength training or powerlifting. That's where you're going to go. You know, so it's I agree with that. And then the community then builds around the one thing that you've kind of set out. So I, I can uh, I can totally relate to what you're talking about, that when you narrow in on something that little bit more, uh, the, the people that you're trying to attract, it becomes a lot easier to meet those people. I'd, I'd probably say in the long run, probably maybe focus on the mindset because obviously the, ga- the podcast is called Mindset Game. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> one guest would touch upon it. She was saying... Well, it's cut, it came out yesterday, the actual episode um, with Emma Baker, um, as we're recording this, because it m- might take a, well, with editing, it might take a bit longer yeah. to come out. But she was saying um, it gives an insight for the listener to kind of see how the guest actually operates in their mindset, what kind of, how they've got from A to B in their particular particular fitness journey, be it a uh, fitness professional, uh, sports person, um, who else have I interviewed? Uh, the, I could decided from the academia, why did they get into, in most cases, I think the ones I've touched upon today have been psych- like sports psychologists, and why did they get into that route, to, into academia, from that, so you can kind of, she was saying you probably could take something everybody could take something from it doesn't have to be that particular episode mm-hmm. but you could take something from any bit of the of the actual podcast itself because there might be something that resonates with you but then in some in, in some other cases it might not do but if you share it there might be somebody within your community that would benefit from it, so it's kind of with it. Well, like you were saying with uh, off air about Danny Lennon's show. Early days, he he had some troubles uh, getting it off the ground. As such, I have not had anything uh, as bad as that yet, and hopefully, I never do. Uh, with it, with having not having uh, when he's going up to trying to upload it, it's there was no internet access. I've I've had it, but then that it was to do a call. So that one was I lost, uh, but it wasn't just my internet. It was some part, of the whole, of, not the whole town, but a section of the the, the town had lost um, internet access and phone because the BT the BT, uh, uh, what would it be? BT lines went down. Not the line, the actual exchange. A lot ah, of okay. It went go wrong with it, so. Um, my household wasn't as bad because we only lost the internet. But you heard of stories of people losing 
the telephone and the internet. So you're thinking, well, it's not a big deal nowadays because in most cases, most people have mobile phones. So you've still mm-hmm. got access to the outside world with your data roaming. Uh, yeah. so you still have the internet for the for the youngsters that probably can't survive without it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And things like that. But it's, like you were saying, it's, it's probably... It's 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 definitely more for probably for the fitness professionals. It, it is finding that niche. It's yeah. it's trying to not probably be so broad with what you want to focus on because well, I touched upon this with the interview I did yesterday with the fitness network, and they asked me for my what would it be either the top three or the top five tips you would do to grow a business. And one I said, well, obviously the niche would be one. Um, well, there's one that I raised. Uh, you need to probably grow that community now, more so now, because social media is a massive part of society. So it's it's yeah. it's you need to have that presence as such. It's. It's probably a difficult one for me because you you want a little bit of well obviously just generalized to me you want to have that how would I put it um, arms length approach to some extent you want well yeah. that's my business uh, and the people I want to associate with but let me have my own space that you you can't see my my inner uh, sanctuary like inner circle. So it's the one. It's it's quite difficult. You want to grow the business, but you need to be able to do that as well. So it's a little bit of a compromise, as as such. It's you want to show that you are a real human being as well, but also show that you've got that knowledge behind you to kind of probably stand you out from the crowd. So it's a difficult one. It's I'm probably. Well, I won't say a luxury because if I had a gold medal, it'd probably help even more to <laughs> to be able to promote to promote it because you would yeah. you would already to some degree be in that media presence. Okay, yeah. it would be very much sports specific. Okay, the likes of what we use for Olympic and Paralympic sports, say track and field, swimming, you'd be more in the spotlight. So it'd be a little bit more so. Um, I think the ones that have gained notoriety now have got like charisma and quite a character about them. I'd say, well, the big one that springs to mind if we say uh, Olympics is probably the same bolt. He's... That one, I don't know what Crazy. I don't know what <laughs> athletics is going to do when he does retire at the end. Well, this summer because he is mm-hmm. that showman. There's nothing within the the sport quite like him. Okay, if you had somebody to then try and do that, well, you'd probably get you'd probably get that person would probably get knocked to some degree. Oh, you're just trying to copy that what Hussein used to do. It's like well, but then sprinters are like that anyway. They're quite. Uh, well, you probably could say egotistical a little bit because they're, they're yeah, quite, yeah, they're quite, that's up, the right they're word. quite <laughs> up themselves to, to, to start with. It's, 
I don't know if you'd have that in powerlifting at, at all or a, a little bit. Any any characters like that? A little bit. Um, like powerlifting is weird, man. Like it's it's really really weird. Like everyone is extremely supportive. <laughs> That's why I actually find it so weird. It's the only uh, sport that I actually know of that where your closest competitor, when you go to lift, they'll cheer you on. Like, you don't really see that in other sports. Like, you don't see opposing sides in football, for example. You go, go on, yeah, fucking score. You know, they, they're going to hope, no matter what, that you miss. But in powerlifting, it's really weird. You'd see the guy who's closest to you screaming for you to get the lift. It's it's a really weird, supportive community. And uh, in terms of, like, arrogance and egos, there, there, there's a few, but not not that much, to be honest. But like, it's the- a real... It's a really humble sport overall. But then does that come back to the person's overall character, to so, so, so to speak? That that's how they are anyway. It wouldn't matter if they're in the sport or not. Yeah, actually, I agree with you in that. Like, uh, we've had the luxury of running a lot of seminars with world record holders, um, like in city gym here and. To be honest, it's it's really weird that the guys who are at the very very top are probably the most humble, and I'm not sure. Like as you're saying, like I assume that that's how they'd be regardless of what they do in life, or maybe it's because that they've accomplished so much that they're just so su- sure of themselves. Like they don't need to compensate in any way, shape, or form. They're just happy with who they are and what they've done, and that they know when they put their head down to work for whatever comp is next or whatever task is next. Uh, next that they know that they'll achieve it. You know, so there's no, like, arrogance involved. It's just a, a surety of oneself. Like, they're, they're, they know wholeheartedly, no matter what they put themselves into, that they're going to accomplish it. But I think you raise a good point there, Gar. I think Emma was saying there's a difference between how people perceive confidence as opposed to arrogance and a bit of ego. You're thinking, well, I think you could generalize that to the general populace. But I think within the sporting aspect, I think you're going to fall along the spectrum. In some cases, some athletes are going to be obviously the, the confident confident type. Some are going to be very ego-driven. But I think you, in most cases, people will fall along that spectrum. Yeah. I, like, I don't know if, if you've noticed this uh, about different sports, but... Uh, as we said, those with, with some big egos, but like some people who are arrogant, right? If you're completely arrogant in sport or in business or anything, like if you show that level of arrogance when you win, uh, a defeat can almost break you. Do you know what I mean? Because like not only have you lost at whatever you've set out to achieve, but now you've also bruised your ego. Uh, like bruising, uh, bruising someone's ego is probably worse than, than any loss in any sport or anything like that because you've kind of shown yourself up. But whereas if you're humble both in victory and defeat, then you can kind of continue on the same path towards whatever greatness that you're trying to achieve. But I think the ones that uh, get themselves broken, I think in some cases it's the perception somebody has of them that they're arrogant. They might not be quote-unquote like that. You could say, well, with me, over the years of being an athlete, I was probably 
how would I term it, self-centered a little bit. I, I didn't think about what impact some of the decisions I made along the way would impact on, on other people. But, um, how did I put this? What he was saying? It was, oh, I can't remember what it was related to, but the one I had with um, Brendan Cropley yesterday, we brought that topic up in terms of uh, how sports people perceive, um, what was the word he used? But I, I kind of termed it as single-mindedness. I can't remember what, we, what the other mm. word would be. But it's that... Oh, I can't remember what context it would be in, but athletes look at it as a positive as opposed to the outside world would look at it as a negative, that you are it's very much tunnel vision. But then I, I could... With the example I gave just before you could look at it as a negative as well. But what impact are you having on your friends, your family, um, in the grander scheme of things? Well, I probably didn't think of that, but then that was me as, uh, gosh, in my late teens, early 20s, um, I, I was not happy with my performance, so, or happy with the situation, so... I want to blow off some steam. That's why I don't want to uh, come speak with the family. Okay, over the time of the career, I got better at that. It's like, I think my mom and dad are probably more understanding that that's how I was. I need to blow off some steam. I need some space sometimes, or I don't want to speak to you uh, before a competition. That's how, just how I am. I'm not... Uh, one of those individuals that could go like switch. It's like an on switch. Or I'll, I'll just I can I can do it more now. It's it's people are probably probably shocked. How can you go from uh, messing about messing around like chatting a little bit of banter with somebody to then compete against them? But that, that's not difficult. It's like, it's like on or off switch. It's that's friend mode. Now it's time to go. But I think with the family, the like the extended family. Probably because they weren't around with me twenty four seven growing up, they probably didn't understand that, and then in some cases, they didn't want me to pursue sport as a career, and wanted to perceive it more as a hobby, like it was. Uh, well, in in Britain, there's obviously lottery funding, so before ninety six, it was. You had to have a real job, and if you wanted to do sport at elite level, you, you, you've got to subsidise that somehow to be able to do the sport. I think, um, I think athletes to nowadays are probably spoiled because they don't have um, to do that. I'm, I'm very I'm, myself being one of the athletes. I'm very much humbled that. Because of those people's successes, we the athletes in this generation don't have to work as well because it was hard enough at times balancing a university degree and sport, let alone maybe having to add another another element to it and to be able to live. So I'm very much thankful for them and the sacrifices they had to do to move the sport on. 
Uh, and I think I touched upon that with Dave Riddle, or oh God, what episode would that have been? I think it was episode 11 or 12 of this show. Because um, he was a, well, he was one of the sports psychologists at British Cycling, and he was saying uh, probably their athletes nowadays, like the up and coming ones, have got everything on a plate because of the likes of Chris Hoy, uh, Victoria Pendleton, going through the hard times and like the dark moments of when cycling was a laughing stock. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's come a long, come a long way from that where it's. You kind of you hear stories of other nations kind of bad bad mouthing them because oh they've got this they've got this uh, say the skin suits the lighter bikes well if you've got money to invest to get that one percent especially at the very highest level it's the one percent upstairs but if you can get if you're in the likes of Sports that require require equipment as well. If you you're within the rules, why take the advantage. You, you've you've only got well, I won't say the the athletes wouldn't probably blame the programs, but the programs have only got themselves to to blame to not have thought of it first. Mm-hmm. But I think with when you were saying with powerlifting and they're very much that much, uh, kind of community around each other. They want to do each other to do well. The only similarity I can see to that extent now would probably be the, um, the world's strongest man community. They're, they're it's very much similar. Yeah. But then they kind of, it does overlap. It, yeah, kind of under the, uh, under the, would say, umbrella of like strength sports, they kind of uh, overlap and it's, uh, I'm not too familiar with Olympic lifting, but I would assume that within the weight categories there, there is probably a lot of camaraderie, a lot of people uh, uh, that would big each other up when they're going for their lifts. And it's just a, it's a nice community to be in. But uh, I really like the the topic you touched on of tunnel vision there. Um, and kind of like almost like obsessiveness for like you know like you you want to be obsessive about something yeah that's and that's, that's the exact that's the exact word that didn't come to me what he uh, Brendan raised in his it's that people think of it as uh, a bad thing but then it they generally tie that in or disorders with nutrition and things like that yeah yeah but like like uh, I, this might sound contradictory to what that guy said but like I like obsession like uh, the, the idea that you could go tunnel vision into something that you want, and the reason I think that people might find that so crazy or so out of place, is because if you think about like what we try to do and what other people try to do in different sports, is like you try to plow as many hours per week into this obsession that you love, like something that you're really passionate about, and something that like. Uh, I even hear people say like, "Oh, I die for my sport, and I do that." You know, I, they love what they do. So of course you're going to become obsessive about it. You know what I mean? Like if you really love something that much, of course you're going to let it take the reins a bit and, and, and like give yourself a hundred percent to it. And you have to, if you want to be elite level, like you have to give it that much. And it, like it, I always like to picture stuff from the outside. It's like uh, imagine being someone on the outside. Uh, like, like watching their son, for example, or watching their cousin, or watching their best friend, 
just go and like head on into something and you work as an accountant nine to six, five days, six days a week. And like that, that must just look like clinically insane. You know, like especially if there's no funding there at the time, you must be like, like this person is like plowing themselves into this hobby and just like destroying themselves is what it looks like. Mm. But whether in the, like they don't know how good it feels to be so wrapped up in something that you're passionate about. And like, as you're saying, like, most people kind of like will live at this like a medium level through the like through their whole life, you know. Like they're kind of like happy, but like you were almost living through extremes, <laughs> like all these highs of like really good training, like competition. But then at times you need your lows, so you're making up your medium between your highs and your lows. And like, I would agree. I think that's a better way of living, you know. Well, like there I is think- balance, of course. Like don't get me wrong, there is balance, of course. But like I like the idea of obsession. I, I think. Probably most people they only see the well the highs and lows when it's in the the like the four year cycle they only see the end of it you don't see what's come in between it yeah. uh, I've I think when I've gone into schools well more so after the London game and speak to people and say well I'm was thinking of going to Rio but I was into well obviously I didn't I didn't compete but. I was in two minds whether to continue, and people say, "Oh, why don't you do it?" And these would be like, te- these are teenagers, like, "Okay, I'll set you a little challenge. I will, I will do the training if you do it with me. You don't, you don't know what's coming. I've got, I've, I've, I've done two, I've done two, two cycles. Uh, I, I know, I know the highs and lows." So it's like uh, they did agree. Okay, I didn't do any of it, but I was joking. I I know, I know, I know exactly what what would constitute training. I know there's going to be bad times. I know there's going to be good times. Uh, there's politics along the way, which is a mm-hmm. massive can of worms in sport. And it's people yeah. say, "Oh, it doesn't exist in sport." It's like, well, you're you're a little bit naive there if you don't think there's it's something going on under the surface level mm-hmm. uh, I think athletes all can kind of go it's like a fork in the road you either let it be I was probably one of the athletes this is, I know it there I know it exists I will confront it if I need to or you've got the athlete that's bang that's like that's that's Let's smash, smash his door in and things like. And I, I, I've not got him on the show, but you're thinking he's got a. He was saying to me when I spoke to him uh, on Skype, such a chat. But he was saying, "Oh, I've got to jump additional hurdles to get selected." Yes, yeah, because you're smashing the door in. That's why they they're gonna do whatever they can to make sure you don't get picked. It's because mm-hmm. you 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 might be. I think you're probably better suited when you retire to do things like that because you can sh- you can shake shake uh, uh, well, how would you can rock the ball shake kind of shake the baby because you're on the outside. <laughs> it's what you what you say now. They can kind of well not s- s- push it under the carpet, but ah, oh, it's just somebody just having it. He's having a rant. It's, it's you're not involved anymore. It doesn't matter. You just you're just making noise. Whereas I think. If you're inside a program, you probably gotta tread a fine line to a certain extent. Sometimes you gotta just maybe let it go 
it's like yeah they they they're making choosing to to do things that way yeah it might not be the right way but to kind of what would it be the analogy um the the red the red um what was it red red rag to the bull it's like you're going to piss yeah, off the yeah. bull what you're going to get the you're going to get the horn cuz if you're going to annoy the what would it be the chief chief exec within that organization well they were a competitive person to get up to that level in the first place and yeah. you are kind of challenge their their authority okay i'm going to i'm going to show you i'm the top per, i'm the po- top person uh i'm going to make it as hard as possible for you never to get it's not it's not right but it, it's one of those things it's you you you've probably seen in the news with the likes of the sports with bullying wow I had it to some degree, but you kind of, kind of, what would be the word? Uh, like it or lump it. I yeah. accepted it. That's it's 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 probably a fine line between what is uh, probably a coach kicking you up the ass, uh, push like really really pushing you, and what is bullying is probably is probably especially well at that at that level is probably. A, really really small line because it's they're trying to get the everything they can out of you like the last drop of sweat to to make you the best that you can and at times i probably use this good one analogy for people it be if i didn't like what i heard it's probably not a good one to 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 always use but it be in in one ear and out the other it's like well i'm listening to what you're saying but if I don't agree with it, it's going straight out the other one. It's not. It's probably. Yeah. I wouldn't say for everybody to take that on board, but it might be a way for you to kind of deal with that situation. It's like, well, I'm getting yeah. heavily criticised, and they might not be hundred percent right. But that's maybe one way you can take into some context. Well, I'll take on board the crit. Well, the critical criticism, but let some of that obviously uh, uh, frustration kind of seep out of you, and you're not then overanalyzing what they've said to you, and you break yeah. it down even to more, and just make, and being hard on yourself, and kind of going into that probably a little bit of a mental spiral. It's kind of like a like a trade-off, right? Like. So you're in this situation here, and if you do nothing, the other party will kind of stay quiet. You know, like they're saying something to you, but if you do nothing, they'll kind of stay quiet afterwards. But if you decide to to rustle some jimmies or to rock the boat, well, then they're gonna they're gonna do this. So it's like it's a trade-off. Is it worth biting your tongue for now to get like whatever result that's more favorable for you? Or if you rock the boat, perhaps it'll be less favourable. So you, you kind of have to decide like pros and cons of every situation, right? Well, it's probably reflecting on in the spur of the moment as to. Um, oh yeah. Probably people. You probably you well. Especially people that say outlandish things, especially on television. Uh, have you thought about what you're going to say before you've said it? <laughs> and in most cases, 
I had a teammate that was exactly like that, and he put it on social media. So you're thinking, and it'd be at times. Oh no, we found it hilarious. Okay. Be what be, what's what's going to come up next? Okay, for him, it's it's not great, but as teammates, you're thinking, what's he going to do next? That's that's yeah, going to. Yeah. But you're thinking, okay, oh god, how old have you been? Oh, this was me, like end of my career. Or I'd be like late twenties. Um, he'd be like teen. I think it's because he was a teenager and he, and he, and maybe not thinking. As I'd probably I wasn't as bad as that in my early career, but I was fortunate. I started at sixteen, so I think I grew up fairly quickly because of sport. Because you have to. Uh, whereas he was probably frustrated. Upon it, would it be in the first one? So you kind of seeing, well, maybe I could help a little bit more with guidance. But you're thinking, well, you learn more from, like we were saying it throughout this. You learn more from your own mistakes. So it's it's well, it's it kind of helps to build a bit of character. It's character building. Well, if I take you under my wing and kind of make you bypass some of the mistakes I did you be, you become you would to some extent become me whereas yeah. you're not like that in the first place so it's like nah you choose to do this 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 uh I won't name him because some of the things he did were, were quite quite bad and think it's it's <laughs> not thinking at times that he was an elite athlete and doing things, you're thinking, well, you've done this. You t- well, we'll say you did this, but it turned up late to training. Obviously, the coach will go back. To, you need to, we could say, you could fuck off back to, to bed because it was, it was probably words to that effect because, you, one, you, you, you've you've done this. This is why you're late. Uh, and... Oh, I can't remember. It was like probably like half an hour, if not longer. Later, it's like, well, it's pointless to, mm-hmm. to to turn up to train, and they won't be very happy with you because that is why you're late. So it's it's it's, and then he probably gets the brunt of it now on social media because a lot of it's uh, people. What was the last one he did? But the, the 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 coaches kept a copy of it, and the the, the assistant coach put it on uh, Facebook. The only I think to just the teammates to to show oh it's the anniversary of when you did this. So it's like an inside joke for the team. <laughs> but it was Brilliant. it was because where we were based um, at Rockhampton University, it was it's, it was um, after hours. It'd be locked up because it's. I won't say it's a bad area of London, but it was probably the university doing it for security reasons to yeah. to keep the likes of probably the computers, uh, maybe the expensive equipment safe. But he he t- went out late, come back, and decided to well we'll say that because it's funny. Uh, decided to climb this what would it be two meter five fence. And not think that there would be CCTV. You're thinking, no, but there was, if he'd have walked, I don't know, 
at most 10 minutes further down the road, there was another entrance what was manned and you could have walked straight through and it would be oh. and just take a little it might it might take an at most 20 minutes out of your way to get back to the dorms but you're thinking it says when you're walking back up when the gate is open there's CCTV in operation and because I lived in growing up in a military community it's going to be a stealth somewhat though so they're hidden but I could I could see it was like well that's where that is that's where that is and uh, kind of cut, cut the long story straight that footage was then emailed to the head coach brilliant and he, he brought in one of our meetings and, and said oh Justin what, you, what, what, what were you doing at this time on such and such a day and it had the time stamp and all sorts of thinking oh Jesus you're thinking oh you, you're not because we were the ones who were living there were saying why, why didn't you just go that way and just take yeah. it longer and no, no well, possibly they would have caught him on CCTV but somebody climbing over the fence is going to raise flags they're going to raise flags yeah, he's, he's a double. He's a double amputee, so they're gonna find out. Well, who's this person, and what do they do? And obviously, went to. But then, what ramification could that have had, had on the program? It yeah. could have been something quite, I won't say disastrous, but if it would have been a high-profile, or oh, views the footballer, that'd be in headline news. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. it's it's it's. It's looking into what action. It's a bit like that equation. Each each action has an opposite reaction. So, well, thinking, well, if I do this, what what will be the outcome? And but then I think most people probably probably because of social media don't think of that outcome. I'll yeah. put I'll put this out, and 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 I think a lot of times. People get up in arms. Oh, this person's slating me because I put this on social media. Yeah, what did you expect? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. I think if you are are on Twitter, um, I don't think Facebook probably a little bit less, but less so because it's uh, in most cases you can kind of confine who it goes out to, but. If you put something outlandish, what do you expect? You're gonna get you're gonna get criticism, praise. Mm-hmm. Uh, most, in most cases, because they, they don't like the individual, it, it'd be I think spring to mind probably like Piers, something like Piers Morgan. He he likes to do things like that, but yeah, it's I think when people are up in arms and say, "Oh, I've been," I won't say trolling is good, but if you've put something out there that's outlandish and you've thought you've not taken the thought well what could be the ramifications of me putting out that content if it doesn't if it's not going to add to anything exactly there's no point putting it out but then i think that's the analogy we probably we probably use within fitness that is probably the underlying, well, not the issue, but that is the detriment. That's the factor that we use to 
whether or not it's valid to go out there. It's is it going to actually benefit somebody? Are they going to is it going to add to their knowledge? Are they going to gain something from it? Whereas I think that's why we look upon things in that way, and it's more uh, critical thinking as well. There's no point putting it out for the sake of it. Yes. Because it's only going to get lost. Whereas if you add in to somebody's knowledge base, uh, giving them, what we say, like a training program where they can better themselves, that's good content. So that's how we uh, decide whether or not it, it should go out or not. But I think maybe the populace at large maybe should look at maybe look at doing things like that and then we we I'm, I'm, you'd never get rid of criticism because everybody everybody in their right mind and and and, the, and every man and their dog likes to knock somebody for whatever it may be uh because it could become down to jealousy envy or whatnot it's like well maybe like we touched upon off air, if somebody is wealthy, um, has no notoriety on social media because uh, they have that big following, are they actually happy in the grand yeah. scheme of things? Yeah, but like even like uh, with something like jealous, uh, jealousy and envy, like I, I find those things like particularly interesting because people look at them as like like uh, negative traits. And again, I don't know if this is because I'm a, a positive person, but if you are jealous or envy of someone, and most of the time people, they, they will know the person that they're jealous or, or envious of, you know? Uh, do you not use that as a driving factor? So instead of disliking them and adding a negative, uh, adding negativity around it, would you not say, okay, because a lot of the time it's with silly things, like, oh, you know, this person has a new car or a new phone, or it, it, it's, it's silly. That's all like, su- it's all su- that's all superficial stuff. It's not going to Exactly, but if, it, if that is, a, or, or for example, if you bring it into a more athletic world, if, if, if someone is doing better than you and you're jealous of them because they're doing better than you, would you not use that as your fuel? Mm. Like, class, like, I don't hate the person for that, because they're obviously putting in the hard work to get whatever. But I am now going to work harder than them to beat them. So you could use it as a positive thing again. I think from the performance standpoint there, Guy, that's probably a good uh, a good point that you raised because there's no point being um, jealous of them. or use that more the negative side. And the end yeah, yeah. is probably the positive. Uh, because like you were saying, they put in the hard work. Well, they're doing better than you because of that that substance right there. They put in the hard work. What you, you you've only got. Well, you can't really blame yourself to some degree because there might be other extenuating factors. Be it you've had an injury or something. That's why you are behind their curve. But if that that's not the case and you are jealous, well. What have you done in the training? Exactly. That that what haven't you done in your training? Sorry, that they possibly have. There you go. And like the negativity is only going to eat you up. You know, it's not going to affect them. They're, they're, like by you being negative, you're just spending time that you should probably be doing training or working. 
<laughs> you're going to be spending that just sitting there thinking negative thoughts when you could actually be out working harder or something to beat the person you're thinking negatively about. Exactly. Right? There you go. <laughs> I, lo- I love that, just the, the, the like slight change of mindset and taking the bad, or what, sorry, what could be perceived as bad things and use them for a positive spin. I think, I think with, um, what was I saying? With envy, I think you could probably, it's, it's on a, two sides of a coin it's how you perceive it whereas with yeah. je- with jealousy yeah it's yeah, very yeah. much no you're right you're def- right. definitely more so negative i don't know you probably could i probably you probably somebody could probably get an argument in there that you probably could spin it that it, there was some positive in there but i don't think yeah. so but that's my personal opinion you probably you probably agree with that that sentiment yeah, like, because like, even if you think about um, uh, like jealousy and how funny it is as a characteristic, because it's kind of a love and hate of someone at the same time. Like, I find that absolutely hilarious because like you're like, oh man, that person's doing so well. I fucking love him, but I fucking hate him because I wish I was doing that. Or I wish I was doing better. Like, it's 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 a really contradictory type of thing. I think it's probably the the, the good analogy of that one is a professional footballer. I I I, I you. Well, I won't say I loathe them. I would say the community as a whole uh, mm-hmm. don't. I think some people will probably accept that that's what they're paid and okay, but you you don't like the fact that they're paid exorbitant amounts of money. But if you were in their shoes, and I can't remember where I read that the other day, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't think it. You wouldn't bat an eyelid. You wouldn't, and like. Man, when it comes to footballers' wages, like the, the the way I'd like to look at that is kind of like how you described the, uh, the the cycling team a while ago. Like now that the funding is there, they get better kit, so of course they're going to take it. But it, exactly as you said, if you put yourself in their shoes and that's the wages that's expected for a footballer, why would you expect anything less? You know, if you're at a certain level of the industry. And you know that the players of the same skill level on the same teams are paid X amount. Why would you be paid any different? Well, you wouldn't want to be paid less. That's probably where that. Um, there you oh, go. The word. Uh, kind of market value, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and like if you if you ran in, sorry, what? If you 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 like you were saying, if you compared yourself to that certain position, and he's on X amount. Uh, the agents probably have a like in their ear and say, "Well, I think you're better than him, so I think you should, you should get more." Yeah, yeah. But it, it's one of those. It's it's probably been uh, the wages have probably been. Oh, what's the word? Uh, they've skyrocketed because that's how the market has gone. It's yeah. It's it's. It's this stupid amounts of money, but that's what if if the teams want them, they have to pay stupid amounts of money to get people who are thinking well it's it is what it is yeah you you they shouldn't i kind of put i think I was asked this question a few years ago um more in relation to uh, you know, like television coverage with the likes of football, rugby, uh, will be another one on television, cricket, 
and, and sports that are on 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 more more uh, with the other one tennis, but like on a frequent basis, how does it feel from um, an Olympic perspective that you only get coverage every four years? Well, my answer to that was, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. We get it. We get the coverage. The the blow up in coverage happens for seven weeks out of every four years. That's how it is. That's like it is improving uh, with the likes of the the minor sports are getting more coverage. But if you looked it on the flip side of that, uh, what was the most recently? I think cycling was on the television. It's a sport that Britain is doing well in. So they're thinking what sports they were doing well yeah, in yeah. that are the minor sports. But then I think when the Olympics come round, it gives you an opportunity to, to watch a sport that you maybe not thought about watching before because it's, oh, this yeah. is intriguing. Let me, let me, let me catch this. Uh, I think, I think what would be the likes? I think for me would be, uh, I'd probably watch, like the intrigue of the 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 weightlifting, um, and and things like that, and like the different sports. I think the the good one. I think in London was you could watch it without commentary, which is which is quite nice for a sport. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, quite nice for because because at that time I think they just put somebody in the booth and they don't know what they're on about. It's like you might as well. Get an ex-athlete in there, and at least they know what they're talking yeah. about. They're not just rabbiting on for the sake of it. Think, oh, this is this is nice. I can just watch, and you just, you got the sounds of the crowd and and the athletes themselves, which is it would be as if you were there. So I think at times that's probably a good thing. A choice, yeah, yeah. And then uh, people argue at times they just turn the sound off because they don't like the commentators. How they're portraying what's happening, or yeah. they just don't like the individual as as, as well because at times they're just t- talking absolute rubbish. It's like, well, um, that's that's not happened. Uh, yeah, yeah. What are you on about in terms of the play and things like that? But then that's just how it, how it is. Like, I think it's to kind of summarize that point with being envious and, and jealous to somebody I think it comes back to that underlying issue is just being happy in your own skin yeah it really is just enjoying what you do and be happy in your own skin right so I think what we'll do Gar is I think we'll wrap up the podcast there but the last question I've got for you before we call it a day is if you had to summarise this episode in one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? If I had to summarise it in one sentence, put a positive spin on everything you can and just be sure of yourself no matter what. You're always going to win. I think that's definitely something to take away and to to live by there so once again Gar thanks for coming on the Mindset Game podcast no problem man thank you for having me it's a pleasure if you wanted some bonus content I have now set up a Facebook group where you can interact with both the guests and I the name of this so called group is Mindset Game so why not come over and check it out for yourself 
And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review in iTunes, as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others, and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.